attendance. That's me, so kind of self-referential. And the tens of ones watching around the world. It's time. 30 minutes or less in the... God, I don't even know what weight division I'd be in. The, 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 the open weight division? Of I, I lost the thread. I can't remember how the rest of that Bruce Pritchard rap goes. But in any case, it is me. It is me. It is Mr. Sensational Gino V. Back from the dead. Back from not doing an episode last week. Back, even though I originally did not intend to be doing an episode this week. I intended to be doing one last week. But here I am anyway with a very special episode 78 of the Mr. Sensational Gino Vega podcast on the IC Robots Radio Network. Yeah, I sat down. I was going to get ready to record last week. And just as I was getting ready to record, I received news that um, an individual, an individual by the name of, uh, most people knew him as Ken Tominaga. He was a chef and restaurateur, uh, owned and operated Hana Japanese restaurant in Roner Park, California, which is a real wild place. I'm, I've talked about it on the show before. It's the place where Ms. S and I will go on a yearly basis to go for their holiday dinner. But um, restaurateur of this restaurant that Ms. S and I have been... Um, Dining at since we were teenagers. She took me there. Her family heard about it when it first opened. So I was like 15 because it's been around for 30 years. Uh, took me there when it first opened. I was very skeptical because for those for the tens of ones that do not live in Sonoma County are not familiar with Sonoma County, Roner Park is a small city in Sonoma County. Um, and Roner Park is a sleepy suburban town. It bills itself as the friendly city. And it is a very, and now it could be different nowadays because demographics change over time, but, but just in presentation and in feel, Roner Park is a very, what my Chinese grandmother would call Caucasian place. It's a very white place. And this is no, please, 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 to the, te- to the mutants among the tens of ones, do not get it twisted. Do not put the pitchforks down. This is no criticism, no, no uh, shame, but it is not the type of, uh, community where you would expect to find not just a quality um, Japanese restaurant, not just a good Japanese restaurant, but Hana Japanese restaurant in the pantheon of American Japanese restaurants, restaurants in the United States um, serving Japanese style cuisine. It is um, what, uh, similar to how the, the wrestler Hiroshi Tanahashi bills himself as um one in 100. It's like once every 100 years. One, w- once in a generation happening. It's this incredibly uh, amazing restaurant uh, due in part to the fact that it really is. I mean, like, uh, Ken, the owner, would fly in fish uh, like from fish markets in Tokyo and stuff like that. He had classical training in Tokyo. But then he would bring his own kind of Northern California sensibilities uh, to the food. So it was this combination of quote unquote authentic tra- traditional Japanese food, but then, you know, with, uh, but it wasn't just like a generic robot was making this food. It was a guy with a lot of uh, his own, own vision, own talent. And the restaurant itself was just an amazing place. It was, it was just very, um, uh, it was the heart of hospitality. Um, I'm not, I'm not like against fine dining, I guess, as you would call it, but I don't seek it out. I find it's fairly, it can be very boring. You spend a lot, it, it, it's, it's, 
and even in the case of Hana, a Japanese restaurant, this is true, but fine dining, it's like a con. It, it, it's a, it's a mark thing. You know, it's like you're, you're paying inflated prices for an experience and that, which is not necessarily a bad thing, but it's not that there is something happening generally in a fine dining restaurant that you couldn't make some approximation of at home yourself or couldn't find a version of it for much less at a, a less um, fancily presented restaurant. Uh, the question is how much that experience is worth to you. And so like if, if you're a smart mark about dining and, and it's worth it to you, go for it. It is not always worth it to me. I find it to be kind of played out in a lot of cases, but in the case of Honda Japanese restaurant, it was very worth it. Because again, it's not like I was going there every day or anything. It was kind of like a... Uh, varied over the years, but you know, it's like it was, it was a special occasion kind of thing, and it was worth it for us for as much as we enjoyed the environment, which, as much as we enjoyed the presentation to pay that little. It's like going to see a movie or something, you know, you're paying a bunch of money on expensive popcorn and overpriced tickets, and you know, that's to eat, different people like different things to spend their money foolishly on. And Ms. S and I were always a fan of the stellar Hana Japanese restaurant, which still exists, it is now being run by Ken's. Um, Son, but I, I don't. I think I might have buried the lead here. So I, I was sitting down to um, record last week, and I found out through the grapevine that Ken Son had died suddenly, or not suddenly. He died after a brief illness the day before, and I did not know this individual like on a personal level, but I did know him from thirty years of dining at his restaurant and chatting with him when we go in there because he's the type of restaurant owner that will come out there and like talk to you and glad hand you and all that. It's part of the experience. Um, so again, I did not know him personally, but he, you know, he would recognize us when we went in there. And, and it, it, it's also this weird thing because it caused me to realize I've been going to this place since I was literally a teenager and now I'm like a middle-aged adult. So Ken San was this constant presence through 30 years that I expected to always be there and would continue to be there. And he was suddenly gone. So it's not like I was distraught with grief or something because it's not like, you know, he was a friend or family member. But I was just very shocked. It was a, it was a shocking moment. It was much akin to, for those of you who may remember, when Mr. Hooper died on uh, Sesame Street and it had to be explained to Big Bird that not only was Mr. Hooper not at the store that day, but he would never be at the store again. He was never coming back. And that is much like the experience I had to process that day when it came to um, Ken San and Hana Japanese Restaurant in Rona Park, California. And then it was compounded by the fact that as I was processing that, as I figured that out, um, News of the Texas Uvalde uh, mass shooting came through, making things even weirder. So anyway, I was kind of in, I was not in the great frame of mind for recording the podcast uh, last week. So I kicked the can down the road. And see, what I was going to do is I was going to record that episode that I would not be coming to you this week because I, today's a Tuesday coming off a holiday weekend. So it's like a Monday for me, and I was gone all weekend, and I'm fried, and I didn't think I'd be in the mindset to record. But as fried as I am, I'm in more of a mindset to record today than I was last week. So bringing you the episode this week instead. We are here, with that out of the way, on yet another installment of the Mr. Sensational Gino Vega podcast, a podcast where we plumb the depths of my average immortal soul to produce uh, content, to talk to you about why you listen, I'm not sure. If you listen, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Uh, so what are we going to talk about today? Um, yeah, as I said... We are right now right off the heels of Memorial Day weekend. It's Tuesday today. It was Monday yesterday. It was Memorial Day. And uh, Memorial Day weekend here in Napa, it's funny because I haven't quite gotten used to it yet because COVID has made everything weird um, and we've only been here for three years and uh, we'll be here in three years this summer. So this is our third Memorial Day. 
Memorial Day weekend is... Oh, but see, we weren't here. This is our second Memorial Day because we moved after Memorial Day the first year that we moved here. Very confusing. There is a local festival concert, a three-day thing called Bottle Rock. I could be wrong. I think it's similar to things like Coachella. And what's the other one that people used to always go to? I can't even remember now. There's a whole bunch of them, these festival concerts that go on for several days. And it's like five million disparate bands all play on various stages. So we have one of those here in town, Bottle Rock. And Napa's a small town, so you might think this is just like some county fair type like cover band thing. No, this is like real, like Metallica played at the at Bottle Rock that just happened over this last Memorial Day weekend. Because as I was, I should have made clear, Bottle Rock takes place in Napa on Memorial Day weekend. So we missed it. We just missed it the first year we moved here. It didn't happen the next year we were here because uh, COVID was in full throat. There was one that happened last September to make up for missing it before. So we were here for that one. We weren't here. We were here, but we weren't here. We're going to get into that. And this was the first bonafide Memorial Day weekend that uh, Bottle Rock took place. And like I said, I think Metallica played. I think the Black Crows played. I think Pink played. I think some super group that was like Snoop Dogg and Ice Cube and Too Short and E-40 played. All kinds of weird mixed and mashed up stuff that people throng uh, into town to see. Now, we have some dear friends of ours. Um, one of um, uh, Miss Sensational 2, my 13-year-old daughter, one of her best friends. She made this friend in kindergarten. He, we, we will call him MC Sassy J. MC Sassy J is one of my favorite kids, one of my favorite human beings in the whole world, the whole Vegaverse, the whole universe, the whole multiverse. Great guy, great kid. I uh, have known this guy since kindergarten. And um, those two became fast friends starting in their kindergarten year. They're both uh, entering high school uh, next school year. So it's, it's it's been a while, even though it seems like, you know, a year. It's been years. Over the years of their friendship, we have become friends with their parents or his parents. Um, so now, you know, we, we, we just we, friends with this family, adore this family. Um, this family is very big into, uh, attending live music. I don't know. I mean, they're not, what it is is, okay, <coughs> excuse me. Let me try to break this down in as succinct a way as possible because I always mess this up. So, um, we have these two friends that are the parents of MC Sassy J. So we have MC Sassy J mom, MC Sassy J dad. Now, MC Sassy J mom and MC Sassy J dad are married and have a child together. But MC Sassy J's mom's brother is married to MC Sassy J's dad's sister. I hope I just said that right. My child's friend's mom's brother is married to my child's friend's dad's sister. So essentially what it was is the other set of siblings were the older siblings. These these. A young man and a young woman that had younger siblings, one a, one a male, one a female, became a couple. And then one day were um, turned around and were horrified to see their younger siblings making out. Or so I think I've heard that paraphrase to me as the genesis of their couple, uh, couple history. So, anyway, so does this make sense now? Two sets of siblings. The siblings themselves, the married siblings are not related to one another, but this, it's two sets of siblings. So very closely related. And there's lots of cousins involved, and the cousins are very closely related. Anyway, the older siblings of MC Sassy J's two parents who are married uh, are very into like going, doing the festival circuit, going to live music. And so whenever there's live music here in Napa, because Bottle Rock happens here, and then we have these Oxbow River stage concerts over the summer, 
um, they all come out from, from Santa Rosa, from Sonoma County, to come to these concerts. So anyway, MC Sassy J's family, I don't think they actually had been to Bottle Rock before. I think that they were going to for the first time the COVID year that it was canceled. I could have that totally wrong. I feel like that they said that that was going to be their first year of attending Bottle Rock. Because Bottle Rock's still a relatively new phenomenon, too. It's not super new, but it's not like 10 years old. It's probably more like 5 years old, maybe. Um, anyway, uh, they proposed that um, since they were coming to Napa to attend Bottle Rock, um, they had proposed this for the Memorial Day that got canceled, but forget about that. That didn't happen. Then the one back in September that did happen, it was back on. They were going to come to Bottle Rock. They proposed that um, their family, their extended family, owns a vacation home out in the North Coast, out in this uh, beachy community called Sea Ranch. They proposed that they stay at our house in Napa while we spend the weekend at their family vacation home in Sea Ranch. And we said, gee, that sounds like a great trade. So we did that back in September. And now the next Bottle Rock, now that it's finally back on, on Bonafide Memorial Day like it's supposed to be, was happening this last weekend. I reached out to them. Do you want to do it again? We did it again. So we spent the weekend out in the cold, misty Northern California beach air, taking in crashing waves, hanging out in this old 80s kind of... If you can't picture like 80s beachfront Northern California architecture, just look up Sea Ranch. I've talked about it on the show before. I'm pretty sure back when we stayed there for the first time in September, I talked about going there. And I think the, the graphic for that episode was it was a it was a Sea Ranch house even. It's a very, very distinctive architecture. But sitting in this very comfortable, nice uh, house, there's this fun too because it's like it's the old family home from when all the, the kids who are now in their 40s and 50s were little. And it hasn't really been... Um, messed with or updated a lot. So it's this time capsule of like 80s beachfront childhood. Um, there's all these old VHS tapes and old board games. And so it's not like a swanky vacation beach house. It's very homey, which, which adds to the charm, uh, a, a positive in my, in my book. But anyway, we spent the weekend out there kicking back. I caught up on some nonsense that I wanted to watch and, uh, we played a lot of, uh, Monopoly, and uh, which is funny because Monopoly was not one of the board games that was there, but the family, for some reason, we all decided we wanted to play Monopoly. So we took a ride out to um, the, the nearest town. There's a town called town called Gualala. We went to uh, Gualala, like hardware and tackle or something. And because it's, they said they had toys and I was like, there's no way they're going to have Monopoly there. And sure enough, they had Monopoly there. So we spent a lot of time, each of us watching various streaming stuff, and then all of us convening to play Monopoly, and then uh, taking walks on the trails there, and then the kids rocked the hot tub at the house. Uh, Ms. S and I did not brave it this this time around because it was kind of cold out. Um, but uh, a great time. Um, meanwhile, however, something strange was brewing here in Napa around the Bottle Rock Phenomenon. And I'll tell you what that is. Now, I myself have um, absolutely no interest in festival concerts of any kind. Absolutely no interest in concerts of any kind. Zero interest in live music. None. Um, I'm actually attending a live music event tonight because... um, Miss Sensational 1 and Miss Sensational 2, my two uh, children bought tickets to a concert in San Francisco and we were having to drive them and escort them there. But I would not be there of my own choosing. Uh, it may sound strange because I think a lot of people do like live music, but I, I spent too many years playing 
in bands and watching band after band after band. And it's sort of like, I guess it's, it's, it's that cliche about knowing how sausage is made. It's just, it's just like I'm too, too on the inside of it. Which I guess is still kind of weird because plenty of people that play music also like going to see music. But for me, I just I, it, something broke with it. I, I just can't. It doesn't do anything for me anymore. I, I don't mind listening to music. It just I would I, I does not excite me to travel somewhere and deal with crowds and get jostled around and listen to really loud live music. It just there's no there's no magic to it for me. I guess that said, I understand that for many people, for most people, there most certainly is. Um, so I understand the appeal of something like Bottle Rock, even though it's not for me. It doesn't have to be for me. Not everything has to be for every person. But there's this, I don't know, it's probably not even a new phenomenon. It just seems new the way it's so amplified now by online behavior. But at one point, um, I was texting with, uh, the mother of MC Sassy J who was staying at our house in Napa, who was going to Bottle Rock, and I was talking to them about how things were going. And then it, it occurred to me I didn't know what the lineup was exactly, so I, I was uh, looking online trying to find this year's Bottle Rock lineup. And I ended up on um, a Facebook post from the local Napa Valley Register about how Bottle Rock was going. And, of course, there's the comments section. And this is not a new realization to me, but I, I have a new term for it. So we talk about mutants oftentimes on this show. And... By mutants, I, 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 I am talking about people that have been deranged politically. They, they exist on the extreme eng- edges of political ideology, whatever that ideology may be. Those are the mutants. But there's another group of individuals, um, and there's some similarities. There's definitely similarities, but it's, it's still a different iteration of whatever this malaise is, whatever this problem um, gnawing away at humankind, whatever it may be. There's a new camp, not a new camp, another camp. A camp that we will now, from here on out, call the Troglodytes. Now, the Troglodytes are individuals who have become so tunnel vision about what appeals to them that it agitates them whenever they see something that is intended for someone else. And they feel the need to badmouth it, crap all over it, make, try to make everyone else feel bad about liking it. And um, every year so far that I've been in Napa, there's a, a huge level of troglodytism surrounding Bottle Rock, surrounding a lot of things in Napa. Because there's this, this false dichotomy here in this town that um, people are either billionaire, somehow wine billionaires, they're, they're billionaires off of wine, or they are "quote unquote" locals, and it, these two warring camps. And um, we have a very nice downtown here in Napa. Um, yes, much of it is geared towards people that are visiting here. But by being geared towards people that are visiting here, it makes downtown a destination, and then that allows other things to thrive as well. Um, but the people that perceive themselves as locals are often up in arms about. Um, having activities going on downtown. It's just supposed to be a ghost town, a wasteland, and then we can all sit smugly in our homes and be glad that that nothing is happening here in this town. And again, most of the stuff that is happening in this town is not for me, is not something that is of interest to me, but I kind of enjoy that there's this energy, that there's people out there. If I want to go, 
expose myself to to hustle and bustle and to liveliness. I can go downtown and there's all this stuff going on. It's not just all boarded up and abandoned. Um, but if I want to avoid it, I can just go home and ignore it. Um, with Bottle Rock, I guess it's a little harder to ignore if you stay in town because unless you live way out in the burbs, you are probably going to hear it. But folks, it's three, three days, three days of the year, three days of the year that brings untold commerce into the, into the region, um, employs people, uh, helps pay people that are employed here. If you don't like it, I mean, you can, it's three days. Um, but the troglodytes are all up in arms. The troglodytes, so oh, this is the worst thing ever. Why is this happening to us? Why is this happening in our town? Blah, 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 blah. And whatever, I don't really care about Bottle Rock and I don't care what troglodytes think about it and that, that I'm not like hurt about that. But what I do realize when I am reading these comments is how draining, how tiresome just troglodytism in general is. Because anytime you see anything about anything online, it is immediately set upon by troglodytes who want to say why it's so bad, why it's the worst thing ever, why it sucks. And I, I've done this before too. I am guilty. I just ask Teen One Dull because uh, our um, we have at times both shared interest in professional wrestling, the, the the genre of professional wrestling, and oftentimes have had differing opinions. And rather than just let him do his thing, I will feel the need to be a troglodyte and uh, make fun of the horrible Joshi stuff that he likes. Wendell, I tell you, no more. Trying to be positive. But so, so all of us do this a little bit, and that's fine. But I, I just, I see some people just going out of their way to just go crazy with the troglodytism. Um, and so from here on out, I've talked about this before, but again, it's a refresher for me. I'm going to try to let people enjoy what they enjoy. I will enjoy what I enjoy. And hopefully, we can all get along. E-L-E. In other news, other local news, piggybacking on this idea of troglodytism, something amazing happened in here right before we were leaving, um, <clears throat> right before we were leaving Napa for our, our vacation in Sea Ranch. I was driving down kind of a busy thoroughfare that's near my house, and I saw in a vacant lot a, uh, what do you call it, like a truck trailer, um, you know, like the the... The part of Optimus Prime that isn't the the actual like truck part with the steering wheel. I don't know. Um, I don't know anything about cars, vehicles, whatever. But you know what I'm saying? Like the big thing that gets attached. It's the trailer, right? Yeah, it gets attached to the, the truck. It's the trailer. Yeah. Anyway, a big trailer was uh, left in this vacant lot. And have you seen this phenomenon sometimes when trailers will be used as kind of a makeshift billboard? Um, like it's a trailer, but then they have an advertisement displayed on, on the, the side of the trailer that's facing traffic. That's what, that's what this was. Advertisement, this big, uh, kind of skeletal cartoon character. And it was kind of splashy comic book art. And it was, uh, saying something about some, uh, theme park, some beer theme park coming soon. And uh, I almost crashed the car trying to see what it was, but then I decided, oh, when I come back the other way later, I'll, I'll take a closer look because I'll know to be looking for it. I can slow down. And so sure enough, I did. And it was this gimmick. It was proclaiming that um, coming soon to the heart of Napa, the Voodoo Ranger IPA Action Park. And it was promising some sort of epic beer-powered water slide and nightly concerts and fireworks shows and I had a URL which was like Voodoo Ranger Park or something like that I thought that's weird um, 
So I texted Ms. S, who used to work in um, kind of adjacent to industries that would know about something like this opening in the area. And I was like, have you heard something about some theme park opening, some IPA theme park? And she's like, "Uh, no. But I did on Facebook see an ad about it. And it was like, opening soon in the heart of Napa, this IPA action park. What are your thoughts? And then people are just losing their mind in the comments. Um, troglodytes were losing their mind in the comments because there's a, a troglodytism that always takes hold when, always, when something new is being proposed to be built in, in a town like this. It used to happen in Santa Rosa, it happens here too, where people often not know the full scope of something, the full story of something, and immediately get up in arms. It's that, it's that phenomenon I've talked about on the show where once years ago I was at a wrestling event and a little kid wanted to get up close so he could see what was happening. And all these people were in his way. So he just yelled out, hey, everybody, Kane and DX are on the other side of the parking lot. And everyone went running over to that side of the parking lot because they heard someone say that. And then he got to go up front and get a front row seat to watch The Rock drive his rented Cadillac into the arena. Um, but yeah, it, it's uh, people don't like change. People don't like new things. And sometimes there's a very good reason, sometimes with less good reason. And sometimes they get worked up about a change that isn't even real. And that was the case here because I went to the URL. I visited the Voodoo Ranger Park or whatever it was, .com. And it quickly became clear that this was some sort of marketing satire because this uh, proposed... Uh, project that was going to be opening soon in the heart of this small town where I can't remember how many people live in the town, but the entire county, entire Napa County has less residents than like just the city of Santa Rosa. Uh, anyway, uh, it was proclaiming that there was going to be like some 300 room hotel and um, nightly firework, three nightly firework shows. <laughs> uh, just all kinds of stuff that you couldn't even legally have in a jurisdiction. Like Napa. Oh, hilariously too, because someone, whoever, whatever genius was behind whatever the the point of this viral marketing campaign is, was also making a big deal about how plenty of parking, because that's always, the the troglodytes are always very concerned about parking um, in a town like Napa when they're still, I, I, I assume troglodytes have never traveled to a place where it really is hard to park because in these small towns, everyone is always renting their hair and gnashing their teeth about parking. And what they mean is that you are not 100% guaranteed to have a spot right in front of the door of the business you're going to go to, you might have to park, you know, five paces down, you know, a yard down. Uh, but anyway, it is, this was obviously some sort of viral troll marketing. But of course, but of course, the troglodytes were taking it as gospel. Um, and so, yeah, there was a big outroar on on uh, Facebook. How could they, whoever they may be, let this happen? Why can't they do something about it? Um, it turns out, too, I didn't realize um, I do drink quite a bit of beer, but I have not drank new Belgian Belgium beer for years. And Voodoo Ranger is actually a new Belgium beer. And it was very evident that once you start looking at the website, that this is some sort of advertising for new Belgian brewery. I, I don't know what it is. I wonder there is a big historic building here in Napa um, that was occupied for a spell by Stone Brewing out of San Diego. They had a whole restaurant and brew pub. It was a beautiful place. You could sit out by the river, old stone, like literally an old stone building inhabited by the company, Stone. But Stone got weird um, during COVID. They were doing some corporate restructuring and it was no longer profitable to have the store, 
to have that kind of location. They wanted to shut it down, but they also were like in a lease with the landlords. So they just stopped paying rent and they claimed it was because of COVID that uh, they weren't allowed to operate, but they did operate through the entire pandemic. That stone was one of the few things that was open the entire time. And it's not even like they said, we can't pay full rent. They just did not pay rent for like a year and a half and then tried to sue the landlord when the landlord was trying to get rent for them and then just closed abruptly overnight. So not the best look for stone, but uh, that place is vacant. Those owners have been trying to get someone to either buy the building or move in. I wonder I wonder if this whole thing is is going to lead to an announcement that New Belgium Brewery is going in there. I don't know. That's the only thing I can think of because otherwise I don't understand. I don't understand what the punchline could possibly be. But we will wait. We will see. I played along and I signed up to be part of their focus group. So I will report back with news from uh, Voodoo Ranger Action Park. Finally, we will end today's very special episode closing out on a Memorial Day note. Um kind of being in memoriam of something that used to be near and dear to me that is less so now. And I don't say this in a troglodyte spirit because I'm not trashing it, excuse me, and I'm not, you know, trying to make people that still enjoy this particular pastime feel bad. Um, in fact, I'm, I would love to still enjoy this particular pastime, but I, I've had a reckoning with it lately. And um, Memorial Day is always a great inflection point for me for this particular pastime. We're talking baseball. We're talking about baseball. For years, I grew up as a Giants fan, San Francisco Giants fan. My parents were Giants fans, hence I was a Giants fan. Being a Giants fan meant going to uh, Candlestick Park, a big cavernous, uh, outdated arena, um, to watch the Giants play. It was very easy to get tickets. You could show up whenever you want to. Um, you watched generally mediocre teams. I think they had one year where they were kind of okay. They had, they, they, 89, they went to the World Series, got just cold smoked by the A's. And that's when the A's started to pique my interest. Because like, what are these guys all about? And um, so over time, the final death knell for me with the Giants was um, when they opened their new ballpark in San Francisco and it became impossible to get tickets and it was just totally, um, what's the right word? Um, it is far too fussy of an affair. This precious little ballpark that was exclusive to get into and half the people there could care less about the baseball. They were just there because it was like a status thing that you could get tickets and blah, 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 blah. Lost interest real quick in the Giants. Plus I just, yeah, I don't, I mean, I guess on one thing, on one hand, there's something to be said for like long family legacies of fandom. For me, I always felt I needed to go my own way. I needed to decide the, the teams and the sports that I was a fan of. And it wasn't that I couldn't be fans of things that my parents liked, but I just, I'm a loner, loner dotty, a rebel, so I had to go my own path. So I became an Oakland A's fan because while the precious uh, Giants ballpark was turning me away, I could go over to the horrendous Oakland Coliseum, which I say with affection because as much as people badmouth that place, there's nothing wrong with it. It's it, Yes, there's no bells and whistles. There's not some gimmick like statue falling into water and fireworks going off. It's just like, you know, a concrete bowl where you get a basic hot dog and you can walk up there anytime you want and just walk up and buy a ticket and go in and watch a game. Uh, so there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, I, I, they will survive. They will thrive much better with a... Um, New ballpark, but we're going to get to that in a minute. Anyway, I became an Oakland A's fan, and my Oakland A's fandom ran pretty strong all through um, the, uh, I guess it was the 2000s. I started to fall off when I had kids. 
Because when you have kids, it's very hard to be an ardent, at least for me, to be an ardent baseball watcher because games are all at like seven and they're three hours long and they're like every night of the week. And that's like when you're trying to like have dinner and like try to get kids to sleep and stuff like that. So I still watched from afar, but I, I, you know, I was no longer the hardcore baseball fan that I had been prior to that where I could name every player on every team and what their stats were and what the best strategy for each game and each lineup was, blah, blah, blah. I've lo- that, that has all been lost to the sands of time for me. Uh, but I, I continued to always feel that that familiar, comforting feeling when the season would kick off. And I always particularly loved Memorial Day because Memorial Day always felt like, oh, it is on now. Like we're well into the season. We have started to take root. We're seeing what the team is all about. Now let's see where we can go from here. Then you get to the all-star break and then it's really real. But anyway, Memorial Day was always that, okay, now baseball is, we're no longer just easing our way. We're no longer like dipping a foot in the pool. We just jumped in uh, underwater, you know? Um, So even though I wasn't a full-blown hardcore fan, I would still get up for the start of the season, get pumped in Memorial Day, at least read the results every day, kind of stay on top of what was going on with the A's. And... The A's are a quirky team because the A's have long been a small market team. The, the whole charm has been that they like don't keep stars. They won't pay for stars. Um, they, they, they use wits and smarts and stats to, to put together a team out of nobodies and are usually middlingly successful, at least successful enough to be interesting to watch. And that's been, that was fun and that was charming for years. And especially during ownerships where the ownerships really didn't necessarily have that much money. Um, but currently... The A's are run by a very wealthy individual who is the heir to the Gap fortune, the the company, the clothing company, the Gap. He owns the A's, and he's not really seen. He has a little puppet. The the president, I think his name is David Caval, is his little stooge. That's the the face of the the business part of the team. But... um, these guys like to cry poor mouth and they like to lean into the whole money ball thing where the A's don't spend money to keep players. They just keep churning out serviceable uh, players uh, that they find in their farm system and whatnot. And we've gotten to this point now where the A's had a pretty good team last year and the ownership in the offseason sold off the entire team, have a horrible team of nobodies this year. I don't mean that they're not horrible. It's just... It's a, not a team that is designed to, to perform well in Major League Baseball. And the ownership, by way of their little stooge president, Dave Caval, is claiming, if only we can get a new stadium, then we'll have money to pay for the team. Ignoring the fact that the owner has plenty of money. I mean, they don't need to be the highest market, the highest budget team, but they could definitely be investing more in the team in the interim. They do need a new stadium. That, that, that is without question. Um, but it definitely seems like they have shot down certain opportunities to have a stadium in Oakland for favor of moving to the potentially, I don't know that it really will be, but potentially more lucrative Las Vegas. And I got to the point this year where I can't do it with the A's anymore. I, I am no longer an Oakland A's fan because just the way they've dealt with this, this courting, uh, Courting Vegas with one foot still in Oakland and selling off the team, neglecting the team, crying poor mouth when the owners got so much money, just creating a horrible fan experience. I, I can't, I'm not into them now, and I don't feel like supporting them when and if things get better for them, which has been kind of a pain because that kind of ends baseball for me. It kind of kills baseball for me. I toyed with the idea of maybe trying to follow another team 
Um, Ms. S and I have a pipe dream of maybe retiring to San Diego someday when she uh, stops working in not that much longer from now. Um, so I was thinking, and we, you know, we love the city of San Diego. So uh, maybe being a Padres fan, but I, I just don't know. If, at this point in my life, I don't know if I have it in me for another team. I was thinking maybe that I would just kind of watch baseball in general, watch whatever game happened to come down the pike, but that's hard to do too. I don't know. I hate it. I hate it. But I feel like I might be out on baseball. And I want to add a caveat. I wouldn't have necessarily turned on the A's just because they're moving. I understand that teams are not public utilities. They don't belong to a city. They don't belong to a region. They're a business, a franchise that goes wherever they're going to go to make the most money, to be the most uh, business successful. Um, but just the way that this whole thing has been handled is just not not doesn't work for me. I'll give you a counterpoint. I am still a diehard Las Vegas Raiders fan. But the thing with the Raiders is their ownership, the Davis family, least wealthy ownership group in NFL, where most NFL owners were business tycoons of some type who bought a team. The Davis family going all the way back to Al Davis. Al Davis was just a football guy who was in the right place at the right time, ended up with ownership of a team when they were relatively inexpensive in the in the early days of the AFL and then the merger with the NFL. So the Davis family's never been a big billionaire uh, ownership family, but they have, over the years, even when they've been horrible, it hasn't been horrible due to lack of spending. It's been horrible due to Al Davis getting old and coming out of, falling out of touch and refusing to let other people help him make decisions. Uh, they always spent money on the team. They've always spent money on players. And so I, I, could, I understood they had gotten to where they could be in the small city of Oakland, and they had this potential to make a lot more money uh, in Las Vegas, money that they have spent on the team since they've been there. Um, so it was a move that made sense to me. And with the, with the Raiders, the Raiders uh, I've always thought of is uh, because the, the Raiders are so iconic, as long as they're in a Raider-esque city, I'm cool with it. Los Angeles made sense for the Raiders. Oakland obviously made sense for the Raiders. That's where they came from. If they'd moved to like Omaha or something, I don't know if I'd be as as forgiving. But Las Vegas is a weird, edgy city. So Oakland, Los Angeles, Las Vegas, it all makes sense. It's all part of that Mad Max Raiders continuum. Uh, but the A's just, it's not the same. So farewell, Oakland A's. Possibly farewell baseball. I don't know. We'll see what happens. We'll see if I figure out a way to uh, pull the nose up on this thing and get back in the game, literally. And with that, we've hit that magical 38-minute mark that we often seem to hit. And until next week, it's me, Mr. Sensational Vega. Mr. Sensational Gino Vega. I told you I was fried. Signing off. We want to thank close to two million people for this because we needed it way back back into time when the only people that existed were troglodytes cavemen neanderthal troglodytes let's take the average caveman Listening to his stereo with headphones on. Sometimes he'd get up, try to do his thing. He'd begin to move. Something like this, he said, Dad! Dad! Dad!
tired of dancing alone, he check out his mug, look in the mirror, you know, he say, gotta find a woman, gotta find a woman, gotta find a woman, gotta find a woman. He go down to the lake, well, the girls would be swimming or washing clothes or something, he'd look around and just reach in and grab one, he'd say, come here, come here. Today, fellas, because it might come off. You got a piece of hair in your hand, she'd be swimming away from you and stuff. This one woman just laid there wet and frightened. He said, Move. She looked down on him. She was big. She picked up a tree. She started to crush him, but she began to like him, and she said, I'll suck it to you, daddy. He said, what? She said, I'll suck it to you, daddy. You know what he said? I ain't gonna lie to you. But he started one of those prehistoric expressions, you know. And she said, I'll suck it to you, daddy. He said, right on. Right on. That's our national anthem there, outside of Leroy. Uh, most of the stuff we're doing are from uh, most of our RCA albums. It's